Hello and welcome to Active Exchange's Academy podcast series. Here we bring together industry leaders to share their learnings and experiences working with data across the sport, leisure and recreation sector. I'm Alex Burrows, the founder of Active Exchange, and today we're here to talk about the whole system approach and the challenges facing our sector at the moment in making its voice properly heard and ultimately influencing where funding is directed, especially when sport and leisure are non-statutory services for local authorities. This means there's never been a more important time for organisations to leverage existing assets, be fully informed as to what their priorities should be, and also be able to leverage this understanding to connect, influence and collaborate with other organisations. This means being able to clearly identify and then articulate common objectives. For our sector, this is primarily based around social impact and social value, and then providing an evidence-based pathway on how this will be achieved. To explore the topic, I'm joined by Ben Jones, who's joined Active, Active Exchange at the start of February, following a successful period as CEO of Active Norfolk for nine years. Ben's joined us as Director of Partnerships within our UK and European office. We're only into week two, and it's already clear that Ben's experience of needing to use progressive ways to bring about collaboration between public, private, and third sector organisations is already adding significant value to the thinking at Active Exchange. Welcome, Ben, to your first Active Exchange podcast. Day 10, how are you finding the journey so far? Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. Um, it's been really interesting, really fascinating. Great to join the team, to connect to colleagues new around all around the world, to learn about different approaches to things in different places, and you know, hopefully to um, be able to bring some of my experience to um, assist Active Exchange on its journey to improving and growing its impact across the, across the globe. Good stuff. We're lucky to have you on board. And uh, we're also joined by John Oxley. John is non-exec board director at Active Exchange and one of the most respected sector leaders, having been chief operations officer at Places Leisure before taking the helm at Life Leisure in Stockport, alongside numerous other key sector roles at the moment. How are you keeping, John? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Alex. And uh, great to be here and great to be with Ben too. Good stuff. So to kick things off, um, I, kind of from personally, I've I've heard about this kind of whole system approach for a long time. And we've we've started to think about data and insight and how how we can help our organizations fit within it. But I'm keen to get get Ben's perspective, particularly on, you know, the, the nine years leading Active Norfolk, where you're kind of at the heart of that system. So what do we really mean by a whole system approach and what are the, the big challenges at the moment? Well, I, I think what we mean, or I mean, I can explain what I think it means, which people may or may not disagree with. I think it's born out of a recognition that the challenges facing all organisations who have an interest in making people's lives better, um, neither own the entirety of the problem nor the entirety of the solution. And it's only through collaboration can we all achieve the ultimate goal of making people's lives better? So fundamentally, it's about collaboration driven through a desire to make to make improvements to people's lives. Now, that might be for the implicit value of sport and physical activity from a from a sports club or organisation's perspective, but it may well be from a very different angle from an organisation working in the health and social care sector or across local government. But there are points at which everybody's interests intersect and it's those points at which we collaborate and it's through that collaboration that we offer the opportunity in order to make things better at a rate and in a way in which we wouldn't be able to do on our own. 
And what what would you say the big challenges are at the moment? You're fairly kind of fresh. It's only a couple of weeks since you were yeah running things across Norfolk and working obviously local authorities, the education sector, kind of yeah. alongside Sport England and other partners. So what, yeah, what what are the big challenges? I mean, there's lots of challenges in the UK at the moment. Politically, it's been, um, you know, a period of prolonged instability, really. We've had, I think, something like seven DCMS secretaries of state in the last five years, um, which means we haven't made much progress in terms of policy. In 2015, it was actually a, a pretty good period. There was the publication of the government strategy and then a, a new Sport England strategy, which emphasised... Uh, you know, and, and recognise for the first time the, the value of sport and physical activity in contributing to broader objectives of other government departments, you know, for example, Department for Health, Department for Transport, Department for Education, etc. But there hasn't been much progress of late because of, you know, the, the, the broader political instability that, that, that is fairly clear and obvious. I think that the work that we've been undertaking over the last few years um, has been in the context of really challenging circumstances, clearly cost of living crisis, um, the energy crisis are, you know, place huge strains on the resources and push a lot of people who might have been comfortable previously into positions that mean that, you know, their disposable income is dramatically reduced or decisions that they might have made about what to do with their leisure time um, are compromised by the circumstances that they now find themselves in. I think, a national kind of policy level there's uh, i'm just sensing a slight shift in maybe some tension or some challenge for government and some of the system in demonstrating impact when you've got a, a strategy and uh, and a way of working which is kind of predicated on um, a recognition that it's going to take generations to to make the significant changes around population behaviors that that we want to see then you know, by the very nature of that, you don't get lots of meaningful outputs all the time that, that allow um, you know, politicians and others to say, yes, you know, we've got a direct and visible and tangible return on our investment. So that places a strain on the system. I think devolution's something that's interesting. It's, it's both a challenge and a real opportunity for sport and physical activity with increasing um, you know, responsibilities and local spending control over policy areas such as environment, transport, health and social care. That's both a challenge, but a real opportunity, I think, for sport, leisure and, and physical activity in general. And then more broadly, the NHS, health, social care is always in some form of evolution. And at the moment, we're seeing the, you know, the, the maturation of integrated care systems at a local level, which provide a great greater emphasis on non-medicalized treatments as well as an increase in focus on the three tiers of prevention so this shift towards recognizing the role of the wider public and voluntary sector you know including sport physical activity and leisure in helping contribute towards health outcomes makes it a really pivotal time I think for for this sector to get its relationships right yeah fully I mean I think what you've said there is I've heard it in lots of different places over over the last kind of couple of years and and it's as relevant as as ever right now and I think that ties quite nicely I come on to you John just around Ben mentioned being able to show kind of immediate impacts potentially kind of shorter term thinking with political cycles um, and also knowing where the role maybe of, of leisure sits within because of his sexual service um, so it's it's not guaranteed and you see all the headlines around pools leisure centres closing but at the, at the same time there's um, 
kind of I saw an update from your team where you had record results in in January up in up in Stockport with Life Leisure. So I, I suppose first of all, have you made a shift in in your approach? Um, and and what's your take on the on the current situation, particularly on the on the leisure side? I mean, we've made a very deliberate shift in approach, and um, Alex, and it's related to the to the stuff Ben covered there around um, an increasing need to think of um, sport and physical activity as just a component of contributing to population health as part of a wider system. Uh, and interestingly, um, the whole theme of systems leadership and systems thinking, after the pandemic, we conceived this transformational leadership program because we recognized in the sector that we were going to need to shift position. We, um, in order to be meaningful and relevant in the future, we had to um, stop thinking of ourselves purely in fitness terms or in recreational terms. Or in, in and the word leisure actually is is, is also quite quite dangerous. It suggests um, privilege and and that it's optional. And we needed to um, pivot is the word that is being used towards a more well-being proposition that's more holistic um, because leisure, to use that word, is a non-statutory service in, in public um, sector terms. And but actually what populations need, what the pandemic um, did for the for the UK was actually deepen the level of, of um, health inequalities, something that Sir Michael Marmot had written about in 2010. Actually, things hadn't got better in all that time and they'd, they'd actually worsened and, and the pandemic made things even more acute. So it was very clear to us that if we hadn't changed before then, we needed to change now. And so that change is positioning ourselves as rather than in, in traditional leisure terms as facility operators, we now need to see be seen as a, see ourselves as activity enablers. We need to be seen as activity enablers that is that is less dependent upon facilities, and we need to collaborate with the types of um, other sectors that that. Um, um, that Ben spoke about just then. So we're we're finding ourselves now in establishing a new vision up here in, in, in Stockport to um, reposition the organisation, to recognise its role as having an impact upon population health. But to be able to do so, we need to be collaborating with health, with social care, with um, education, with criminal justice, all of those things, because lots of things have an impact upon um, the health of a health of a population, and for us as an organisation in that in that landscape, as I say, it's it's about repositioning ourselves. We've done a little bit on on rebranding. One of the things that that I would definitely point to in terms of our January success is that we've spent less time talking about the physical benefits of physical activity and more about the mental and social benefits of participating in physical activity and so we our campaign was a was entitled find your why um, and we got real people to talk to us about what it was that they enjoyed about 
being physically active, physically active. And interestingly, it was the fact that, you know, people connect with their emotions when they're being physically active. And they spoke far more about um, feeling healthier from a social mindfulness perspective rather than being fitter, leaner, you know, lighter, all of those all of those types of things. So that's the shift that we're making. And as a consequence, we're doing some some different things with our product. You know, our, our fitness product is becoming a wellness um, proposition and we're talking about mindfulness and nutrition and, and, and things like that. We're going out into the communities to a far greater um, extent that we've done before, accepting that, you know, the, the people who come to leisure centres are those who are already motivated about taking care of their own health. If we're going to have an impact upon populations, then we've got to go and find people who are inactive. And by definition, they're not in our leisure centres. They're somewhere else. And and that's this recognition of broader system thinking and a repositioning of organisations such as ourselves into the health and well-being space rather than a recreation space. Yeah, and that, that leads quite nicely on to um, what we've been trying to do with this movement data initiative recently. And I know we're going to start using it up in Stockport and we're working with a number of other local authorities, active partnerships and sports who are, who are starting to to use this kind of new new type of data intelligence, which uh, brings in the GPS signal from, from millions of phones every day to give us a good understanding on, on the usage of, of active environments. And ultimately, I suppose we talk about usage, but really it's it's where are communities at any point in time. And going to your point, only a small part of, no matter what you do with the leisure centre, I'll take the word leisure out, whatever you do with these well, well-being yeah. centres, there's only going to be, well, first of all, they're only accessible to a certain uh, chunk of the population. You can't put something mm-hmm. on everyone's doorstep. But yeah, that, that perception is going to take a while to, to overcome. So therefore, being able to put resources out in the community. So we're, we're starting to see this with, with other local authorities we work with um, around not just understanding where communities are and usages of whether it's the parks, it's the pitches, it's the trails, um, but also, and this is kind of what we're, we're excited about at Active Exchange, is understanding what works and what doesn't in different types of communities. Now, that might be infrastructure, but it might be programs. It might be some of your team, John, going out and running some, some initiative within the community. But being able to lift that understanding out of out of the data, out of the platform and share it across a network becomes really powerful um, and kind of breaking down the walls, I guess, of the traditional leisure recreation centre. Mm. Um, for me personally, it's, it's also about shifting the, the mindset and the, the culture around data and insight slightly, having kind of been around this for, for quite a few years, where it's seen as very much uh, you're in charge of planning policy, you commission, you write the strategies, mm. therefore you should have the data. Well, actually, even if you're in charge of the maintenance of the park bins, seeing what difference you're making to the community by making that change and seeing the changes in use of that park over time with a little bit of relevant insight is is absolutely how, how that data should be used. It's a, it's a whole kind of organizational shift. And with that, hopefully it also means resources can be more focused, more targeted to, to where those resources are needed and talk about budgets being kind of cut and, and where can those savings be made well, if we understand where the community are, we understand levels of use, we can be really kind of laser focused on what outcome or impact we should expect by changing something, because we've got this insight nationally to see similar types of changes in, in similar types of communities. And hopefully it should um, yeah, lead on to 
just better decisions made made quicker, I think, is is what we're looking for here. And the ability for partners that we work with to to better connect and influence partners that they need to work with. Mm. You've got this this common kind of um, view on on objectives of what you want to achieve, because we talk about physical activity, sport, recreation being this vehicle for all these other outcomes. But being able to evidence that and you know, kind of to have that overlay of common objectives with the health team, with the community safety team, with the parks team, see with the leisure team, with the health team, and having a common data thread that says this is where we need to have make the next intervention. These are the things that work. This is the outcome, the impact we're expecting to achieve. We're we're excited about it. You can probably tell from from yeah what I'm saying here. We think it's going to make a big difference and and take data beyond just registered data because so much other participation happens and needs to happen outside of um yeah just traditional facilities um ben just wondering again you're you're kind of in you've had a week and a half in this kind of space um what's what's your take on it you know movement data i haven't seen much of this kind of mobile phone they call it telemetry data being used in this kind of space before yeah what are your thoughts where do you think it can can take the sector i mean i i think it feels like a fairly significant piece of the jigsaw that's been missing up to this point. If we look at the available data that we've had before movement data has become available, we're talking about membership and, and usage data from formalized environments of which we are saying they are not the people necessarily who are of interest to the organizations that want to increase levels of activity for those who are inactive, because by very definition, they're not in there, as John eloquently said a little while ago. Um, and we do the other the only other real source of robust data is is the active live survey, which um, is really useful, but only tells us so much. So this provides us, I, I think, for the first time at a local level with some really robust and insightful data that can do a few things. I mean, uh, talking as somebody who's worked for lots of years, you know, practically and pragmatically using data in, in real life settings, I think one of the biggest values of having useful data is the ability to have conversations with people and, and use it as a way to um, engage with others. You know, if you can, if you can bring some data to a conversation with a partner who you haven't engaged with before, and they've seen something that they haven't seen before, and it gives them a level of insight that they haven't been able to get access to previously, then you're able to develop that human connection. And as we know, in, in kind of system-based working, a lot of it is contingent on the quality of the relationships that you're able to develop within and across the system. And if we're able to build relationships founded on a consistent use of objective data sources, like the movement data, and we're able to weave that into the fabric of the way in which the system works, then it becomes a really useful tool and almost a common language that, that the system locally can apply um, and understand and also, you know, we talked about the challenges around seeing results. The movement data gives us a really obvious evidence base for the difference between something before you did it and after you did it, because we can track it month on month and we can see different differences in usage um, when something has been done in collaboration. So I think it provides a fantastic opportunity also to develop some um, really helpful ways to measure trends and you know evidence impact um in environments that have been inaccessible to us before in in terms of measuring in a way that wasn't prohibitively expensive um or just 
unknown to us how you'd solve that kind of problem so so i think movement data is going to be it's going to be huge um and not just the the tool itself uh, you know i'd like to talk a little bit about the active exchange academy because i think that that provides again a, a really fantastic opportunity for people to come together in a space and actually learn more about different ways in which the data can be applied and to understand more about good practice what good looks like in different places and how we can apply a multiplier effect on our collective learning to accelerate it and enable everybody to benefit from the efforts of everybody in, in all different places so I think that there's there's a huge there's huge value in the tool and some of the associated um kind of opportunities that that get presented by by its existence yeah really relevant and we we talk about this more informed side of the business which is dashboards mapping kind of some of the the more fancy stuff but really it comes down to a more connected uh sector and that might be as i said before uh, kind of being able to overlay common objectives but it might be just sharing what's working and what's not in a in a common environment where you've got these these kind of data reference points for the first time and just to kind of wrap wrap things up and as a final takeaway question for you John Ben mentioned around kind of data helping with new types of conversations and just wonder where you see you know the role of the chief exec as a leisure operator in in a couple of years time what what are the new conversations you, you hope those chief execs are having are having kind of with with different parts of the system I guess um yeah how yeah do you... uh, great question um Alex and and exactly what what you know this this theme is this this shift into a new place to appreciate that we we can't operate in our particular form in the way that we've been doing in the past in the, in this um, silo. Um, if we're going to position ourselves um, and to be seen as a bit of a preventative health service to to provide um, activity that genuinely um, inhibits the onset of, of um, disease and, and, and what have you, is, which is which is what physical activity um, can do. Then we have to become um, credible, um, a credible and trusted partner. And I think in the and, and in order to do that, we have to show some humility. We have to use um, data and insight far more effectively than we've ever done before. I think we might we might shudder at some of the, when we start using data, I think we might shudder at some of the things that it tells us, and that's good. And so um, we have to um, be prepared for that. And we have to be prepared to have conversations that we've not had before. So as an example, one of the most significant things that, that's happened as a consequence of the Health White Paper um, of two years ago, was the formation of integrated um, care systems and integrated care boards, 43 across the country. Um, those um, boards are now getting their head around how to work in a system systems way in order to improve population health. Chief executives like me in two years' time need to be very much embed in those conversations and in that in that system, I think, and and in order for us to be able to do that, we've got to be prepared to learn new languages, talk on different levels, and take our insight and understanding um, with us. Um, 
and and start to work towards um, really helping to influence things in order that we and use insight. I think as both you and Ben have said, use insight in the notion of having common purpose. You know, what is it that brings us all together in those to, to look at a preventative health arrangement for the UK? Um, it's ensuring that that we can improve um, levels of um, of, of health across um, populations, and one of the strands of that is around physical activity. And I think if we can be having to answer your question, if we can be in two years' time being that sort of credible and trusted partner as part of that integrated care system, I think that would have been that will be a terrific thing. And I think the type of data that we're able to um, graft um, with an active exchange is going to be critical to enabling us to have the conversations that that will be really relevant um, and meaningful in the future. Yeah, that's what we're excited about is kind of working alongside leaders in the industry to help get them to that table and influence those groups in a meaningful mm. way. So it's a really good way of kind of summarizing what yeah one of our our own objectives is. Mm. Ben, any any final takeaways? I mean, I think I, I like to think big when we talk about whole systems approach. So health and social care is clearly front and center in terms of the the both the importance and the opportunity. But there are lots of others, other parts of the system where, where physical activity is equally relevant and and can add value. So so I'd suggest the application of data in in kind of enabling and, and facilitating conversations around there. So climate change, carbon reduction, active travel, education. We talk about health, social care, you know, is is huge and with an aging population will only become increasingly important. Um, the natural environment more broadly. Um, there's so many, there's so much scope and, and potential, you know, crime reduction, um, community development, social cohesion, the, the applications of, of data and, and the universality of physical activity as a vehicle to impact on people's lives in many different ways means that it's a really low cost, low risk way of, of stimulating collaboration to improve lives. And, and I think that having the, the data and the insight to help us understand more about communities, what's working, what's not working and, and how we can prove impact i think um will be a really important part of of helping us to to collaborate um as will become increasingly important um as, as time goes on yeah that's, that's great and i mean we've spoken a lot today about kind of almost ongoing operational collaboration i think some of this starts with some of the strategic planning work that's going on and going back to old days of doing all the sports strategies green infrastructure plans open space strategies understanding the actual use of active environments and spaces was always a massive challenge and and if you don't understand the use and what's working in different environments with, within different types of communities you, you struggle to champion and protect the right things um so it's great to see that these gaps are now being addressed um and just as important is how this is all being shaped by both our partners but also kind of industry respected specialists like yourselves um because it's you can only do so much as a data and technology team. You need to, you need the the broader input from from a network of yeah of users and and people who just want to drive the drive the sector forwards. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, so yeah, thank you both for your time on on today's session. Um, that's it for today. 
Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify by just searching for the Active Exchange Academy. And if you have any questions or interested in any, any of our services or just to have a, a chat with Ben and see, see how he's getting on, uh, you can reach out to us on intelligence at activeexchange.co.uk. Many thanks.